is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to Mr. Cotter's podcast. No, it's not that. But if you are listening, we just looked over the demos and we could tell that the demos that that listen to us probably know what Welcome Back Cotter is. But anyways, this is Bad Boys and Beyond. Welcome back. We've got an exciting episode for you today. I'm Mike Payton. Uh, With me, as always, is Keith Black Trudeau. Keith, say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm excited to get started on episode three. Uh, One of my... uh, favorite uh pistons role players of all time really yeah today we're going to be talking about lindsey hunter uh man this is this is a big one there's a lot of meat on this bone a guy who did two tours with the pistons help him win a championship this is going to be an exciting exciting episode i'm looking forward to it i know a lot of people on twitter are you you put out a tweet yesterday got a, a lot of response so looking forward to seeing how this episode's gonna go but first as uh, as we do, let's talk a little bit about the summer league Detroit Pistons, the current Pistons. What's on your mind, Keith? Um, it's kind of weird because on one hand, I'm I'm happy with uh, how our prospects have looked so far. On the other hand, it's kind of exactly what I thought I'd see. Um, like we 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 drafted what Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran, who. Everybody said in the draft, these are the two most athletic players in the entire draft. And what have they looked like in Vegas so far? The two most athletic players in the draft. Um, the three-point shooting from Ivy uh, prior to his injury was a little bit um, encouraging, but I don't put too much stock into summer league numbers or summer, summer league shooting because that's the one thing you can get variance on. A bad player can have a hot week, you know, and a – a good shooter can just have a bad week. It, it happens. Uh, but I, I like that he was, he looked confident in taking them. Um, I'm everybody thinks that Jaden Ivy's probably done for Vegas. And so do I quite frankly, but it is kind of odd that they haven't announced that he's done for Vegas. Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, we're recording on a Tuesday night the games in like two hours and we haven't heard anything yet. So that is interesting. Um, on on Jaden Ivey, though, you know, talk about athleticism. Talk about an exciting player. I mean, did he not for like five minutes there in that game against the the Wizards look like the best rookie in the entire class? For like, I mean, it it seemed like I I, I was on our Twitter going crazy putting on stuff like you know just they should just deliver the Larry O'Brien Trophy to us right now. <laughs> Like I was, I was bought all the way in and before that ankle injury happened, but what, what do you, what do you put, you know, do you put any stock in the idea that he could be a rookie of the year candidate? Oops. I mean, if he plays long enough, sure. I mean, last year's rookie of the year can, uh, winner uh, was Scotty Barnes who nobody had winning uh, prior to the season. Still so I mean, Jaden Ivy, you, you figure he's going to move into a vacate, pretty much a vacant shooting guard uh, spot that the Pistons didn't fill at all last season. So he's going to get his minutes. Um, 
it, it just depends on how well uh, and how quickly he adapts to the NBA game. And uh, quite frankly, watching him at Purdue, and this is not my own unique thought. A lot of people are saying were saying this at the time was, you know, with Purdue's very constrictive offense and their, you know, two big men on in the paint all the time. And the fact that Jaden Ivey was still making explosive plays, getting to the room night after night, you, you couldn't help but thinking, man, if the, you put this kid on an NBA floor with all that spacing uh, in a much faster pace, you know, he's going to actually look better in the NBA than he isn't than he does in college. And in summer league, that's kind of exactly what I saw was you know, more of an open floor. Even though there were big men there, they weren't like the slow plotting seven foot nine uh, guys that Purdue was was trotting out there so yeah he he looked like the star of the show in the the first game and the you know it only took him five minutes into the second game you know prior to his injury and he he everyone was just fixated on him because you know he had that jaw-dropping speed that talent that yeah. made everyone say wow you know this this kid really pops and i can't wait for the nba season to start i no, look it, he may or may not translate. I can't say that for a fact. Like a lot of guys in Vegas, you know, look great. And then in the, when the bright lights come on, you know, in November and December, you know, they, they struggle a little bit. I, I don't think that Ivy's going to have that problem. He seems like he's completely confident in his own game. Yeah, it, he, the maturity level, you can really see it in him immediately. I mean, he was he was running the floor out there. Like, you know, he took charge of that team. And uh, especially in that second game, I mean, I know it was only, you know, what five minutes or whatever, but it was just the most explosive five minutes that I have seen from (laughs) even like, you know, I, Cade is, Cade's the man on this team. And, and I still, I think a top five player in the future, but even his uh, summer camp wasn't as explosive as that. I mean, like he wasn't doing stuff like that, but that's not, you know, it's not the type of player that he really is, but, but still, um, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun watching him. And then Jalen Duran has just been, uh, you know, I knew he was a big guy, but he looks like a a, a grown-ass man out there. I mean, he is a he is a mountain of a man. He looks like a pro wrestler compared to everybody else. And he is he's flying all over the place, blocking shots, uh, catching lobs. Uh, he Did you see that turnaround uh uh, fade away that he did there too. I like, I didn't even know that he could do anything like that, but like it was, I mean, he missed a shot, but for him to yeah. like, for him to, to try that at, at, at 18 years old in the NBA, um, you know, I was surprised by that. Yeah. I'm, I, I think I'm the only one that's a little bit let down by Jalen Duran. Uh, not, not nothing that he has done necessarily, but, and I, I've made this clear on, on Twitter. It's that, you know, he's just shack dunking over people, you know, every time, you know, he, he's catching the ball down low and he's hopelessly out, uh, outmatching the guys that are around him, the defenders that are around him. Uh, these little six, 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 seven, uh, 195, 200 pounds summer league kids. And they're, they're making one swipe at the ball and they're getting out of the way. They're making business decisions and he's dunking every time you know, which is great. It, it makes him look awesome. It's, it's entertaining to watch. It's just in the NBA, he's not going to be able to do that. So I, in that, that's really what Vegas is for. It, it's not to, it's not necessarily to win games. That's just a luxury. The, the point of summer league is to put your prospects in positions where they'll be challenged in ways that they might see during the regular season. 
And I'm really excited about Jalen Turn. I, I honestly more so than I was at the draft, just because of how his, you know, his agility, his athleticism translates even onto a floor with NBA athletes. Uh, but I, I would like to see him develop somewhat of a jumper. I, I like that the passing that he's uh, ability that he's flashed so far. But I, I do think that we need to maybe temper our expectations for him right out of the gate because he's he's going to be faced in situations in the NBA that he has not faced in college or yet in Las Vegas. And I think he, he might I think we'll see him as a starter eventually, but I think it might take a month or two. Honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally opposed or shocked uh, or upset or anything if 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 they sent him over to. Uh, the cruise for just a little bit, you know, just yeah. for like maybe like the first month of the season, just to kind of, you know, catch, catch his, get his bearings, learn a few more things, um, you know, or, or they could throw him right to the, to the deep end. That's fine too. I don't think that he, he, like you said, I don't think he starts immediately. I think, I think, uh, you know, Stewart obviously will hold on, hold on to that center uh, starting spot, but the the future of having maybe moving Stewart to power forward and and Duran at center and having both those guys down there, uh, snagging rebounds and blocking shots, I, I like that. That seems that seems very exciting to me. Um, this team, man, they are really. I can't talk about it enough. They're really yeah. doing it. It's happening. It's really happening. As as an old school Pistons fan, that that really tickles me. The idea of not maybe not a throwback because the only way Stewart's going to play is if he develops a three point shot, which we haven't mentioned yet. He did. Yeah. He has, like flashed he has a little, yep. He has flashed a, a little bit of that in Las Vegas. Uh, but you know, the, the fact that, you know, in a league of small ball and a league of putting, you know, one big man and four perimeter players uh, on the court for maximum spacing that, you know, the Pistons could possibly, you know, do somewhat of a hybrid throwback, uh, you know, a defense first, you know, own the glass, defend the paint uh, type of mentality. And the fact that, you know, because the Celtics are doing something similar to that right now. So I would very much be excited to see the next generation of uh, Piston teams to play that way. The bigs are back, everybody. The bigs are back. Okay. Uh, let's get into today's topic. He's not a big, he's a little. <laughs> uh mr Lindsay hunter uh let's go ahead and start at the beginning you and i were just talking about this uh off air uh Lindsay played at jackson state university which um you know that's uh they're they're a big big deal right now with Deion sanders coaching their football team and um i, I think they just hired a, a new basketball coach too that's uh that's got some some cachet too i can't remember who who that was unfortunately but um it, it, it's it's an interesting world with the HBCU players. Like as you know, as we were talking about, there's only one HBCU player in the NBA today, and that's Robert Covington. You you and I talked how about how there's a lot of them um, going back into the you know the early days of the NBA. Uh, but when Lindsey Hunter came in, he was one of maybe you know he was one of 14 guys in in in, in of Jackson State uh, uh, Guild to actually make it into the NBA. And other than Purvis short, Lindsay Hunter yeah. is really the most successful guy there is. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me about HBCU players and, uh, and the history there. Well, uh, 
if, you, if you're talking to HBCUs, um, there's, if you look at the Hall of Fame, uh, it is littered with H, uh, historically black college university players. Um, but the, the thing is, they're all from like the 50s and 60s and 70s, you know, to the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, you know, there's, there's a ton of talent that have gone through those schools. But ever since, you can see the, the point of demarcation uh, where in the early 80s, uh, college basketball started becoming, you know, big mate, uh, mega business. And so much money started flowing through those big universities. And you saw that a lot of the, the talent that would have gone to HBCUs started getting funneled into the big schools, you know, the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas, uh, uh, Virginias, uh, Louisvilles, uh, et cetera. And, uh, you know, by the time we had the lottery uh, system uh, put into place in 1985 uh the, the hbus were almost you know tapped dry. i mean don't get me wrong we've still had uh excellent nba players come in from hbcus uh but the the pipeline isn't quite what it was before like uh, ben wallace and um charles oakley for instance both guys from virginia union university which is an hbcu so it, it's not that that has been totally wiped out but uh for uh, example, uh, Lindsay, there have been two uh, lottery picks, you know, ever from HBCUs. Um, uh, one of them is Lindsay Hunter and the other one is Carlos Rogers. And they were both uh, drafted in back-to-back -back years in 93 and, uh, 93 and 94. And that's it. And uh, Lindsay Hunter actually didn't start his uh, college career at uh, Jackson State. He started at Alcorn State. Uh, didn't play a whole lot, transferred out after his freshman year, had to sit a year. And then he went to uh, Jackson State where he just exploded. Uh, and he averaged his first his uh, first year at Jackson State, he averaged 21 points a game. Then he averaged 25. Senior year, he actually averaged 27. He led the, he led the nation in total points uh, scored that year. Just a, a, a scoring dynamo. Yeah. Incredibly fast, incredibly athletic player uh looked like a guy that was tailor-made for the nba game loved to get up and down the court and the uh, detroit pistons and i was actually in the house for this uh the 1993 nba draft uh which was held at the palace uh of auburn hills and that the pistons you know, even though we've had a uh, lottery pick since 1985 the pistons were in the playoffs every single year so this was actually the very first year in 93 where the Pistons had a pick at all inside the lottery. And they actually had two. Uh, their first uh, lottery pick ever, believe it or not, didn't originally belong to them. It belonged to the Miami Heat. Uh, they had traded John Sally for it uh, the year prior. So they had the 10th and 11th picks in the 93 draft. And those would have been, had they, had they wound up in, in the Pistons uniforms, who would those picks have been? You, you are, are you asking who had they not had, you're saying that they they traded the lottery pick to Miami no no the, 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 the yeah the pick no no the pick that they had that 10th overall uh pick in 93 ah. they had traded for it the year prior they had traded John Sally in 92 ah. to Miami for a first round pick nice. that wound up being yep so the Pistons had two lottery picks that season they had uh 10 and 11 their their own would be 11 they're they're the 
Miami's was 10th. Okay. So the, yeah, with the first of those two selections, it was their first ever lottery selection. They took Lindsey Hunter. And you got to understand, uh, we didn't have the internet back then. Uh, so, well, I mean, we had it, but not in the way that we have it now where you could get, you know, any information you wanted at the drop of a hat. So if you're looking at this uh, draft board, all, all we knew was like this little pamphlet that we got when we walked in for the draft that showed like all the prospects, all the major ones in their college statistics and stuff. Like the, the only uh, major prospects I think everybody in the building knew from that draft were Chris Weber, obviously, that was the hometown kid from, yep, from Detroit, Calvert Cheney from Indiana, Bobby Hurley from Duke, and uh, Jamal Mashburn for, uh, from Kentucky. Four guys, that's it. And all four of those guys were long ago by the time the Pistons got their first uh, selection. So everyone, you, you could see, it, was, it wasn't just me, it was everybody in the crowd like pouring over this little like booklet that they got for just to see like, okay, who's the next best? Uh, and, and Lindsey Hunter's stats just popped. Like he, this kid averaging, you know, 27 points a game, this point guard out of, you know, a university most of us never heard of. Uh, so when they announced Lindsey Hunter's name, you know, everybody went uh, pretty crazy because we thought, okay, this is, this could be our successor to Isaiah Thomas. I'm looking forward to doing the redraft on that, on that draft, because that is deceptively deep, that draft. Mm -hmm. uh, there's guys like Nick Van Exel, Sam Cassell. There's some, there's some guys in there. Um, so the Pistons are now a team without a point guard. Without without a leader, without uh, um, somebody in the backcourt that's going to be their guy, Isaiah Thomas. That, that was going in, into Isaiah's final season. Oh, whoops! My bad. Yeah, so we'll yeah, it down. was actually yeah how it was in, how 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 it was built to everybody was that the Pistons had Isaiah. He was going into his last season. They had Joe Dumars, who was getting up in years. And they drafted Isaiah Tom or they drafted Lindsey Hunter with the 10th pick, Alan Houston with the 11th pick. And those guys were going to be the successors, the understudies to Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars. Uh, did not work out that way at all. Uh, not that either one of them uh, turned out to be disappointments, uh, but they just didn't turn out to be the type of players that, or they have the type of careers that we all thought they would. So, right, so. Oh, go on. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so Lindsay comes in, as you mentioned, he's supposed to be the next Isaiah Thomas doesn't quite work out, but where did, where does uh, Lindsay fit in early on? Where did, where does he really get his, uh, his, his bread buttered? So here's the funny thing. Like we, we, everyone figured, okay, Lindsay's going to be Isaiah's backup, his understudy for this first year. He's going to learn from one of the best ever. And then, you know, we have that incident that I've, I've spoken about before where Isaiah breaks his hand punching Bill Lambeer a few weeks into the season. And all of a sudden, Lindsey Hunter is now the starting point guard for several months. And, um, you know, he wasn't ready for it. Uh, he, he was certainly a good player uh, right off the bat, at least, at least athletically he was. You know, he, he was from end-to-end -end speed. I don't know if there was anybody faster just in a dead sprint than Lindsey Hunter in the entire NBA. He was that fast. Um, he had some issues with his handle. Uh, North-South, he was fine, but when it came to stopping and changing directions, he had issues with it. Uh, as they say, he, he lacked a lot of wiggle in his handle, or East-West, he wasn't as good. Uh, but they threw him in there because they had to, and they figured, why not? We're terrible anyway. Let's, let's play our star rookie. And, oh, God, did he play. 
his, his 12th career game, I remember this because it was the game where Chris Webber came back, his homecoming with the Warriors. Uh, he was the first overall pick that year. And the, a huge crowd came to see him uh, with the Warriors play at the Palace. And Chris Webber sprained his ankle one minute into the game and he was done. <laughs> so so the, the, what the fans got to see was 48 minutes of Lindsey Hunter. He played the entire game. <laughs> Shot seven for 26. Uh, it was actually a, it was a mildly competitive game. Uh, the Pistons did lose because they lost, you know, 60 some games that season. But that was kind of how um, Lindsey Hunter's rookie season went. Uh, he, he wowed you a lot. Uh, his defense, which we'll talk to about a ton because that's where his bread and butter was. Everybody looked at his scoring average uh, in college and figured, okay, this guy's going to put up a ton of points in the NBA. It was the opposite. He prevented guys from putting up a ton of points in the NBA. Um, as I said, his, his speed, his handle wasn't great, but when he wasn't dribbling a basket, you, you could see, like, he, he could keep up with anybody. And he was just a relentless defender. Um, he had this, this technique where he would stay with uh, a ball handler going up, and, going up the floor and he had these long arms. He, he must have had a seven-foot wingspan for a 6'2 guard. Like, he had really long arms. And he would stay stride for stride, uh, pressuring the other team's ball handler coming up. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't try anything. He wouldn't take any risks. But as soon as he saw uh, the other guard's handle get just a little bit too far away, he'd lean to the opposite side of the ball. He'd flick the ball away. He'd reach around with one of his long arms. He'd flick the ball backwards. And then from that point on, he would beat the point of the other guard to the ball, and it would be just be a breakaway layup almost every time. Uh, he, he perfected that technique. He did that technique from when he was a 23-year-old rookie to when he was, you know, a 39-year-old veteran. Like, he, 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 was, he wasn't just good at it. He was great at it. Uh, and despite he wasn't terribly efficient at all his rookie season, but he did, he did make the second team all rookie in a – I would say, a, like you said, a fairly good rookie class. So everyone figured, okay, he's he's struggling trying to run the point, but that's just a natural thing. He's, he's going to grow into the position. Uh, Isaiah retired after that season. So there, there was still a lot of optimism about Lindsey Hunter's career going forward after his rookie season. Well, that optimism kind of died down a little bit. 95, he gets injured. 96, mm -hmm. he does – he he starts about half the 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 season's games. It's you know he's averaging like eight eight and a half points a game, two two point four assists. Not that great for you know for a point guard. Uh, but then ninety seven, uh, he just explodes and he becomes the the team starter. He averages uh, fourteen point two points per game. Um, assists are still down. Lindsey's not much of a passer. Uh, but you know, he becomes a big part of the team and becomes a big part of a team that winds up winning 54 games. What, what made the, uh, the change for Lindsay? Okay. So this honestly starts the year before, um, well, it, it the, the genesis of it was in 95, uh, 94, 95, his second season, which was the season the Pistons drafted Grant Hill. And in 95, 96, uh, that would be Grant's second season. That would be Doug Collins' first season in Detroit. Uh, you know, he starts the Grant Hill at point forward experiment. Well, what's one of the benefits of having, you know, your small forward running the point? It's that you don't necessarily need a guard to do it. 
which freed up, you know, him to have essentially two shooting guards in the backcourt if he wanted to. And it was this really awkward situation in 96, even though I thought that team was really fun to watch. But you had they had three guards. You had Lindsey Hunter, you had Allen Houston, and you had Joe Dumars. And Doug Collins, who was the, the coach at the time, his struggle was trying to figure out what the best rotation for those three were. And it turned into a game of musical chairs that nobody was happy with. Uh, I think to start the season, it was Joe and Lindsey Hunter to start. And then that he quickly put that to bed. He, he, uh, he tr- uh, transformed that to, um, I want to say, Lindsey Hunter and Allen Houston with Joe coming off the bench. And Joe definitely did not approve of that. And he finished the season with Joe and uh, Allen Houston, actually. And that was probably what they had the most success with. And Lindsey Hunter was then relegated to the, the third man in the rotation. And by the time the playoffs uh, came around, he barely played. I think he got DMP'd a game, uh, one of those three games against Orlando. Like he was almost out of the rotation to the point where, you know, people were wondering, is he on his way out of Detroit? And what happened was Alan Houston, you know, to everyone's shock, left that summer in free agency. And that problem, no one wanted to see it happen. But from Alan, uh, from Lindsay's perspective, that problem kind of solved itself. Because all of a sudden now you have that starting spot open. No one's questioning whether or not Lindsay should be a starter. He just was. So it was Lindsay and Joe in that 96-97 season. Like you said, best season of Lindsay's career. Um, where it was the first one where he really moved in uh, as an unquestioned starting guard. And he didn't have to play point. Uh, Grant handled the ball most of the time. Like you said, Lindsay, not a much of an assist guy. I think by that time we had all come to the conclusion that Lindsay wasn't really a point guard. He was still a good player, just not a point guard. And man, that averaged 37 uh, minutes a game as like just, just a workhorse. They won 54 games. He was the best defender on that team by a very large margin. Uh, they, even though they, they, held teams to a low number of points efficient uh they weren't as efficient defensively Lindsay hunter was really the guy that was the i would say he was he was really the uh foundation for their defense because he was harassing ball handlers coming up and uh coming up the floor like he was their point of attack guy and in the playoffs and this was by far the best playoff series he ever had he averaged 15 points a game uh shooting splits were actually and he was a notoriously poor shooter in the playoffs. He, had, he, he was shooting over 42% from three against the Hawks. Uh, Mookie Blaylock, the Hawks all-star point guard, was miserable. Uh, he only averaged uh, 12 points. He only shot 33% from the floor, 23% from three. Uh, Lindsey Hunter made his life a living hell for that series, even though the Pistons lost. Uh, I, I think we can both agree that was really – individually at least that was the peak of Lindsay hunter's career yeah that's the interesting thing is you know i you you look at the rest of Lindsay's time in detroit and it's not that bad you know he he the first stint obviously is what we're yep. talking about he he plays here uh four more years after that and and it's not too bad you know it's a, he's like a 12 12 point uh 12 points a, a game type of guy you kept waiting for Lindsay to take the next step. I mean, I remember as a kid thinking after that 97 season, like, okay, he's only going to go up from here. He's, he's still, you know, a younger guy. He was only 26 at the time. Um, 
but it didn't really happen. He he kind of just he kind of just stayed where he was. He was just old dependable Lindsey Hunter. Why do why do you think um, you know he didn't take that next step? All right, so you know even though he wasn't you know a pure point guard like everybody you know expected from a six two guy, you know that, that's fine. You you have you had guys even back in that time where you know they might be point guard size but they're they they can play the two just fine the problem is that Lindsey hunter was such an inefficient shooter uh and a lot of it has to do with he he had no floater game uh his, his mid-range game wasn't great uh he had no real post-up game to speak of how could i mean you know at six two that was that was expected anyway uh really his one area of, of his game that he improved on tremendously was his three-point shooting uh came into the league a, a poor three-point shooter uh, his that was really his career highlight. He was a starter, like you said, the rest of his career in Detroit to that point. Uh, he improved, I think. Um, yeah, he 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 came from thirty two percent shooting in ninety eight, which is bad even for the time. Up that to thirty eight percent in nineteen ninety nine, and in two thousand when the Pistons went to the high. If you remember that team, the the fast paced uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Grand Hill, uh, high scoring offense under George Irvin, Lindsey thrived in that 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 faster pace. He shot forty three percent from three point range uh, on on almost five attempts a game. I mean, he wasn't like a, a part time three point. He was putting them up there, and he was uh, seventh in the league in three point shooting percentage. You know, which was an unfathomable uh, increase in. Um, production for him but everything kind of again his his career to that point was very much tied to grant hill um and as soon as grant hill left after that 2000 season um lindsey hunter became a still a good player but he came a luxury the pistons couldn't afford and joe dumars one of his first moves as general manager was to trade him to milwaukee for billy owens which was essentially a salary dump a fleece a fleecing just a fleecing yes i mean i get the salary dump aspect of it but billy owens was like 52 yeah. years old by that point and he's were yeah i mean in you know he, he did he did wind up playing 45 games for the pistons uh and then he retired uh, i mean he had bounced around a bunch of times before that it, it's it's such a i don't know a fleecing a fleecing there's no in looking back on that one and and i feel like we're you know we've we've talked a little bit about joe joe dumars um on twitter and i know fans are asking you know like are we going to do multiple episodes yeah trust me there's going to be like a joe dumars episode a joe dumars is a gm we'll do an episode just based on all his decisions and then we can do an episode based on his draft picks there's there's more meat on the bone there than there yeah. is for any other player but yeah billy owens not a great yeah, thing. I almost, I, I almost feel like by the time we actually get to Joe Dumars, we'll have so many comments on him pieced together uh, yeah. throughout all of our pre that you can you can you can basically just put together an episode just based on how many times we're going to mention him, you know, over the next several months before we actually get to him. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so uh, Lindsay's a buck now. Um, yep. He he he's gone from being. A uh, a starting point guard to he's a role player. This is what this is what Lindsey does in the NBA. He uh, he's he spends that one year with Milwaukee. Then he goes to LA the next season, helps them win a championship. Uh, then he pops over to Toronto. What uh, 
Talk to me about Lindsey Hunter's time uh, out of Detroit. Uh, well, first off, you know, he was an important piece for the Bucs, at least during the season. Uh, the Bucs had a very talented team, you know, with Sam Cassell, Glenn Robinson, Ray Allen, but they hadn't had any real playoff success. They'd been bounced out of the first round the first couple of years. Uh, Lindsey, I think, brought to them a, a defensive stability, just like he did with the Pistons, a defensive stability that they lacked, you know, a, a toughness uh, from, on that end of the floor. And, you know, they, they had a great season, um, really their best season to date on, you know, prior to, you know, the last few years with the with Giannis uh, that the Bucks have had in this century. You know, they won over 50 games. They won the division. They came within one quarter of going to the finals. Um, but the, the issue is, and this is a, a constant issue throughout Lindsey's career, is as soon as the playoffs begin, uh, his, his lack of offense caused his minutes to drop. Uh, it, it happened for the most part in Detroit. It happened in Milwaukee where he went from being, you know, a major role player to a guy that didn't play much in the playoffs. He played, but, it, you know, Cassell was eating up a lot of the minutes. Uh, and then, like you said, he the, after the, the year after the Pistons salary dumped him to Milwaukee, Milwaukee salary dumps him to the Lakers uh, in, a, in a similar type deal. Uh, they got more for it, but it was essentially, I think, still about Lindsey's salary. And you know, the cool thing is with the Lakers, uh, he, start, he started 47 games for the Lakers. Uh, they were 36 and 11 with Lindsey Hunter as a starter, only 22 and 13 uh, with him coming off the bench. Like that's how impactful he was during the season, you know, on that 2002 Laker team, which was kind of getting regular season weary. Like they were kind of like, it was kind of like not a joke, but it was like a, a punchline of, you know, which Laker team is going to show up. Are they going to, are they going to give their best effort today? Cause they're, everyone knew they were just kind of waiting around for the playoffs to begin. But Lindsey Hunter was kind of that that hungry spark plug that they needed, you know. But as soon as the playoffs uh, began, he got benched for Derek Fisher. Uh, you can't hate the decision because you know Fisher's the guy that they knew, and you know Lindsey Hunter's minutes once again decreased in the postseason. You know he got his chance, his first championship ring, which was great. But this was you know the pattern that was developing through Lindsey's career, and I think what what is obviously the low point of his career was in the Lakers then, you know, dumped his salary to Toronto and Toronto was a bad team. Uh, they were in the process of trying to figure out how to unload Vince Carter, who was unhappy. Uh, they were in the process of tanking and Lindsey Hunter um, had a hip injury that limited him severely that season. And even when he played, he didn't start. So that was, and he was starting to get into his mid thirties. So that was the point where you were wondering you know, is, is Lindsey Hunter going to slowly fade out of the NBA? Well, he doesn't fade out. Uh, he, he gets a, he gets a call from, well, his <laughs> agent gets a call from an old friend. Um, and the Pistons decide to trade Michael Curry over to Toronto, future Pistons coach Michael Curry, for Lindsey Hunter. Um, and Hunter's back in Detroit now. What do you think Joe saw in, in Lindsay, uh, you know, cause at this point he's, he's 33 years old. He's coming in for, you know, the championship season. Um, obviously he can bring that defense to, to the team, but like, as I recall, he missed a lot of this season. You know, he only, looks like he only played 33 games. He only, he, he did start eight of them. Um, and then in the playoffs, I remember he was kind of 
uh, almost a non-factor. I don't, I don't even, I don't even think he played after the, the, the first, um, well, yeah, he did play a little bit, uh, but not a lot. You know, I think, uh, so what is, what does Joe see in, in, in old Lindsay Hunter at this point? Um, there, there's a, a popular opinion, I think, that, you know, Joe did his best work at acquiring players that he either played with or played against, that that's where his best insight came from. And, you know, playing with Lindsay Hunter for so many years, I think he saw the value, even though a player that wasn't necessarily a reliable uh, score, reliable uh, ball handler, reliable pass, a, a guy that could just put the fear of God into another team's, you know, opposing point guard. And that's the type of team that he was trying to build was this, you know, mega defense uh, first, uh, just shut you down, uh, no matter how poorly we're shooting the ball, uh, juggernaut, which he hadn't finalized that project when he acquired Lindsay uh, for Michael Curry, by the way, that's who they traded to Toronto to get him. Um, but you know, the irony is that he actually traded Lindsay Hunter away to Boston and in the final, for the final piece of that project, uh, in the, uh, Rashid, the deal that brought Rasheed Wallace to Detroit, that three-way deal. And, but, but as, but as part of that was the, you know, the, the, I wink, um, you know, we'll trade you Lindsay Hunter, you know, but, you know, we're suggesting that kindly that you release him, you know, cause the Celtics were bad anyway. That you, that you release him so that we can then resign him a week later, which isn't allowed anymore by the NBA. They put a stop. They should almost call that the Joe Dumars rule because he pulled that off several times um, where he would trade, you know, a player just to make the salary work, you know, with on the unwritten condition that, you know, said team would just release the guy so he could sign him back a week later. But anyway, he, he got Lindsey Hunter back a week after he uh, traded him away and the real cool thing is that in that deal, he got a, another player other than Rasheed Wallace by the name of Mike James. Uh, and, you know, this is the genesis to, you know, this is the weird thing. Lindsey Hunter is, you know, was a starter for many, many years, a uh, lottery pick did uh, was such an impactful player for the Pistons as a starter. Everyone remembers him as part of the Pitbulls. Uh, the, the combination of, Lindsey Hunter and Mike James, that's what they called them, the Pitbulls. They would come off the bench, these two hyperactive, high-motor, um, high-pressure defensive guards that would just, even though they were both undersized, like really undersized, uh, they would get into you uh, from the moment you inbounded the ball, and they would just force turnovers. They would make it uh, extremely difficult for you just to get the ball beyond half court and start your offense. Like it's it's impossible to look at the game today and and think that there there could be a situation like that where it's almost like college you know where you know NBA grown men NBA players look almost helpless just trying to advance the ball and, and run their stuff. But I'll tell you what in in two thousand four with the Pistons it was going on and Larry Brown great defensive coach uh, one of the best defensive coaches of all time that was his dream team. And Lindsey Hunter and Mike James were a big part of that, where the Pistons went from a good defensive team to, I think, the best single-season defensive team of all time, ever. And, well, I'm sorry, go on. No, no, I'm just, I'm, oh, I'm okay. listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, 
Yeah, from that point on, you know, the Pistons had this streak of holding five teams in a row under 70 points. Lindsey and Mike James played a huge part of that. Uh, because, again, even though the starters were great, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Tayshaun Prince, Rip Hamilton, uh, Chauncey Billups, those guys would would shut you down. But then you'd have – there was no relief ever. That's what made that 4 team so great, uh, as opposed to all the, the really good teams that came after it, was the depth. And uh, Lindsey Hunter and Mike James were a huge part of that. Uh, Eldon Campbell, uh, Memento Core, even though he wasn't, you know, the best defender, he was, you know, fully bought into their their defensive philosophy for that season. And it, it didn't really matter if you were playing the starters, the bench, you know, if they were up 20 points, they were still defending, you know, every possession like it was their last. Uh, and for, you know, for Lindsey Hunter, uh, a guy that, that, wasn't a great shooter like that they didn't need that from him anymore you know they just needed uh, his defensive intensity and he brought that even into the playoffs where Larry had to shorten his rotation and Mike James kind of fell out uh, of the rotation as Billups started getting more minutes Lindsey Hunter was still playing pretty much uh, every game in the rotation all the way through the finals I think he skipped a game here and there but for the most part like he was the guy that they wanted to wear down Jason Kidd you know, he was guarding uh, Kobe Bryant a lot of the time when Tayshaun Prince needed rest. Like, he, he was their po- still their point of attack guy, even at age, you know, 33. Uh, just, uh, it, it's hard to uh, overstate, you know, how important he was, I think, to, to that team and to those 2000s Pistons teams. But he was kind of like, he wasn't the engine, uh, but he was almost like the driver. <laughs> Uh, of that defense like they all kind of fed off of his energy it almost feels like and and this is this might even not not be that great of a comp but it's almost like he's the he was pj tucker before pj tucker was pj tucker like a guy that a defender just you know this this is what he's here to do this guy's not going to score us points or like tony allen would be another uh good comparable player Um, pat beverly yeah pat bev yep um only not as annoying uh, <laughs> but so the interesting thing is, you know, you would think that after a championship season, a guy like Lindsey Hunter, 33, uh, mainly just here to play defense that the Pistons probably would, you know, move on from him and kind of bring in some other, some fresher, younger talent, but no, they held on to Lindsey until he was 37 years yep. old to the 2008 season. He was, he was along for the ride for all those um, the the extra uh, finals appearance the and the rest of those Eastern Conference Finals. Um, talk to me about kind of the end uh, of Lindsey Hunter's Pistons time and and because um, it was it wasn't it wasn't very impactful but he was there. Uh, yeah, that's the crazy thing. Um, yeah, it, again, Lindsey Hunter came into the NBA, you know, a fifth year college senior. He was old coming in. He was, you know, he had twenty three. He, he hit 23 years old, you know, during his rookie season. So 10 years later, the Pistons get him back. He's 33. And like you said, um, you know, you're anticipating, you know, Lindsey Hunter gets his uh, ring. That's kind of the storybook uh, coming home story. And, you know, maybe he'll fade away. No, no, he actually, he stayed with the Pistons. He played, uh, he was in the rotation pretty much the entire uh, 2005 season with Larry Brown. Uh, and then when Larry uh, Brown got fired and he was replaced with uh, Philip Saunders, he he was still 
Like he he had some injuries here and there, uh, some wear and tear. He was in and out of the rotation, but he was still a part of it. I mean, by the time the uh, the playoffs came around, uh, he played. Like it was. It, it, and again, it, it's crazy to think about because even though he was in his late thirties, um, he he still looked like he was twenty three years. Like he. he he was in fantastic condition his entire career. Like we don't talk about that enough. Just the, the, the amount of uh, energy it takes to harass an NBA level, you know, ball handler over and over again, um, dribbling the ball up the floor with, you know, the, the agility, the world-class speed that, you know, those guys, and most of them, you know, the average age is, you know, in their mid twenties, uh, mid to late twenties, Lindsey Hunter's, you know, 35 years old. He's pressuring LeBron James, you know, who's 10 years younger. Like it, it, the Pistons never, obviously, you know, the Pistons never got uh, back to the finals after 05. Um, they had made date, uh, deep playoff runs and Lindsey Hunter was a part of every one of them. He was in the rope playoff rotation um, every time. And I, I almost felt bad that he couldn't uh, get back to the finals with that group because he was really was the perfect fit for them uh even with the erratic shooting uh even with the fact that he wasn't really a guy that would run your offense like that was always a deep a team that made its bones on defense and he was perfect for that like he he just fit that entire system like a glove and yeah he he stayed till the very end of their run uh their till their last conference finals appearance uh you know and then he caught on with the bulls after that team broke up in 2008 and you know, he played six games and he retired. Yeah. It, uh, you know, it wasn't it, it kind of a, kind of a crappy ending for, for Lindsay, yeah. you know, um, obviously, you know, he goes to the bulls. It's not, it's not for much. He does, he does play some playoff games with them um, in a series that they, they, uh, they lose to Boston in the uh, first round, but, um, but he also, he tests positive for PEDs, um, in, you know, and, and he, uh, <laughs> he gets suspended for 10 games. You know, it's kind of a, you know, nobody really remembers that, I guess. He, he, he kind of, um, he's kind of one of the guys who, who, who is able to kind of yeah. bury that, you know, you don't think about that, but, but that was kind of, that kind of led stuff like that led to the end of his career, that age, obviously. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was 39 anyway. I think he was probably going to be his last season. But right. yeah, that was, but, but Lindsey Hunter, just looking back on it, just his uh, incredible career. Uh, the, the fact that he played, you know, point guard or a, a guard period at six, two until age 39, you know, as, as a defensive guy, like there, there have been guys that have played to that old, that were, you know, floor generals that got, got by on their wit, uh, their wit, um, their ball hand, their skill, their ability to, to run an offense. Lindsey Hunter was in the league because, you know, he was a, a pest. He was a guy that could harass the other team's best ball handler. And, you know, by the end of his career, he was pressuring, you know, kids basically compared to him that were 15 years younger than he was. I, it was just, I, I think he's really unique. And the thing, the, the really weird thing is like, uh, we have discussed how good he was defensively, um, really unique uh, at his position in, in NBA history. Lindsey Hunter never made an all defensive team. Wow. I mean, that that's, and, and you, you ask why, 
And I think a lot of it has to do with the, his lack of playing time for most of his career. Uh, but if you look at his, his prime, we'll call it his prime, the, the years that he started at the end of the, his first stint in Detroit, you know, 97, 98, 99, uh, 2000. You know, there's two all defensive teams, uh, which essentially gives you four guard spots. And the, the issue with him wasn't that people didn't notice his defense. It was the fact that, well, I'll, I'll just give you the guards that made the all defensive team in those years instead of Lindsey Hunter. Uh, 97, uh, Michael Jordan, Gary Payton, Louie Blaylock, John Stockton. Yeah, that's uh, 98. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Not, 98, uh, Michael Jordan, Gary Payton, Mookie Blaylock, Eddie Jones. Uh, 1999, Jason Kidd, Gary Payton, Mookie Blaylock, Eddie Jones. Uh, 2000, Kobe Bryant, Gary Payton, Mookie Blaylock, Eddie Jones. All right, uh, does any names uh, stick out to you there? Mookie Blaylock and Eddie Jones, for sure. (laughs) Um, And and, and Gary Payton, right? And Gary Payton, well, yeah, my uncle Gary. but yeah, I mean, like, you know, yeah, I get it now. There was no way that he was going to to get on that list with guys yeah. like Gary Payne. And Mookie Blaylock, you know, would probably one of the best defenders yeah. to ever play. Like he doesn't get enough uh, talk as 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 Gary does, and, and for good reason, because Gary's one of the greatest of all time. But Mookie was an amazing defender. Um Eddie Jones, I really I really missed the whole Eddie Jones is a good defensive player thing. I guess I wasn't paying much attention to that. Yeah, he was, no, he was actually built. I mean, you know, he was known for the the high flying dunks and he had some offensive game, but he was very much billed as a, as a defensive uh, stopper for those mid nineties Lakers teams. But every guy that I've mentioned, you know, made at least one all-star game. Those are all high profile names. Um, Mookie and Gary Payton, especially, they they're a little bit older than Lindsay. They they both of them made their first all defensive team appearance during Lindsay's rookie season. Uh, Mookie made six in a row at that point. Uh, Gary Payton made nine in a row. Like they had the they had those spots locked up uh, completely, you know, through the pretty much the entirety of Lindsay's prime. I, I bring all of this up because I want to emphasize that even though you look at Lindsay's, you know, hit the hardware that he earned in his career, uh, his resume shows no uh, all defensive team appearances. I think that does a disservice to who he was as a player, because, you know, in terms of just as a pure on ball defender, I think he's one of the 10 best ever. I, I honestly do not. I, I'm taking bias completely out of this. I think he's, I have not seen, you cannot give me 10, uh, NBA players that are were better defending the ball than Lindsey Hunter. I, I I can't I I'm I think I'd be hard pressed to think of you know eight. You know he he was that good, and I I think he deserves a lot more credit uh, for how good he's been, uh, rather than just looking on his basketball reference page and saying oh here's a guy that couldn't shoot and you know, sold it, got a lot of steals, but couldn't make an all defensive team. I I think that drastically undersells the impact that he had in his career. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, it's an offensive driven game and, um, and people tend to focus a little bit more on that. And, and some of the greatest defenders of all time are just kind of go by the wayside, but 
Yeah. Um, do the do the Pistons uh, move? You know, get up to the rafters, move some things around, and put Lindsey's name up there at any point. I know everybody keeps talking about how many too many yeah. too many guys up there already. <laughs> there are, but and and again, I I I almost like this is maybe an instance where if the Pistons were maybe a less successful uh, historical franchise. You know, maybe they didn't have two two of the greatest teams uh, ever. You know, on their resume, that you know, may, maybe if you're like you're the Charlotte Hornets and uh, or the uh, you know the the Grizzlies and Lindsay Hunter plays for you, maybe you, you toy around with that idea. Uh, I, I would like to see Lindsay Hunter. It, I, I'm I'm speaking out of two sides of my mouth here because I'm I'm not saying I'm not advocating for Lindsay's. You know, and re- remember, he wore two numbers. His rookie, uh, his first stint in Detroit, uh, he was number one, I believe, right? Right. And because he couldn't take 11 because of Isaiah. And then when he came back, he was number 10. So it wouldn't work anyway. But I I would like to see some kind of acknowledgement uh, from the Pistons for Lindsey Hunter. uh, Because, you know, if you total it up, he he played, uh, what, 12 12 seasons in Detroit as a – with with the Pistons up to win and, a championship. Yeah. He won yeah. a championship with them, played a big part in them winning a championship. Uh, as I said before, he is their first ever lottery pick. Um, I think that uh, we, we should have some kind of acknowledgement, some kind of like a Lindsay Hunter day, you know, something to recognize, you know, the years of service that he put in for the Pistons. Lindsay Hunter uh, bobblehead night. Sounds like a good time. Maybe, I would I go look, shoot, shoot Darko had a Lindsay Hunter bobblehead night. I think we can do a little of that. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, you know, that that closes uh, his NBA playing career. He does go to the Phoenix Suns as an assistant coach for one year. Um, most recently, he was the head coach of Mississippi Valley State, and it did not go well for old Lindsay in Mississippi Valley State. He won uh, yeah. seven games in three years, um, and he – is no longer the head coach of that team uh, after this past season. Um, do you think that we'll ever see Lindsay on a, on a sideline again as a coach, maybe in the NBA assistant type thing? Okay. I, I suppose it depends on, I don't know what Lindsay's goals are uh, for the rest of his, you know, association with pro with, with basketball. I, I certainly think, uh, I, I see no reason why that he couldn't get back into the game uh, at least as an assistant. But you know that that isn't you know the most glamorous job. I I don't know if he's uh, really up for that or if or if he's content with you know where he is. Uh, that would be more of a question for him. But I I think if he wanted to get back into the game, I think uh, certainly as a defender, he has so he had so much intelligence, uh, so much wisdom that he could share. You know, as an assistant, mm-hmm. I, I I can't see anyone turning him down for a job. All right, well. That's Lindsay Hunter. That's our episode for this week. Um, oh, wait, I'm getting well, dressed. I, I just, yeah, Scott I was going to ask you. A, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I was, I was, I had one last thing. All right. Yeah. So uh, did, did you have any uh, Lindsay Hunter, like uh, Lindsay Hunter moments or memories, uh, like one that stood out to you? Um, there was this, you know, the one that always stands out to me is the moment where, and I think 
I think you posted a video the other day about if, if you steal mine, I am gonna just explode. Yeah, oh, I think you are though. I think I am because it's the moment where Lindsay comes in, hits a layup, then immediately steals the ball oh, okay. and then hits this unbelievable acrobatic layup in Washington, um, yeah. In in Teal in Washington. Um that that kind of always reminds me, uh, you know, it makes me smile when I think about Lindsay. And then, you know, just kind of during that 2004 time when it was like when you're just sitting there and you and you're waiting for Lindsay to come in and Lindsay comes in and you're like, all right, he's about to shut some people down. Like, here we go. We need a defensive stop. Lindsay's in. Um, things are about to get serious. What's yours? OK, uh, mine and. You know, we, we've talked uh, a lot about how Lindsey, which, by the way, I think Lindsey Hunter would be a much more efficient offensive player today because the three point shot would be emphasized because that's the one thing that he actually did do well in an up tempo game. Uh, and they, they would tell him to stop shooting all the mid ranges, which he wasn't great at anyway. Uh, so, you know, mine would be uh, and I posted a video of this, too. I was worried you were going to mention it, but I'm thankful you didn't. Uh, the in 1999. Uh, the Pistons' final game at uh, Market Square Arena in Indianapolis. Uh, they were down by two points uh, with, you know, maybe three or four seconds left. And uh, I want to say it's uh, Grant Hill is bringing – they have to go full court. They didn't have a timeout left. And Grant Hill uh, draws so much attention coming up the court, he throws this cross-court pass to Lindsey Hunter, who is wide open. Uh, right next to the break on the left side of the three-point line. And the, this whole time, I'm thinking, oh, it's, he's wide open, but it's Lindsey Hunter. And Lindsey Hunter takes the shot, and if the second he releases it, you're like, oh, my God, this is, this is way off. Like, he's really overshooting this because he was off balance. He didn't have time to really set himself. Like, he was leaning forward. Uh, it looked like he shot it way too strong, and the ball – hits the top like above the square uh banks in uh for the win and it was one of those i think i still think that's the only uh someone can correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's the only time Lindsay hunter's ever had a you know a game winner in his career but that was one of the cool moments i was so happy for Lindsay hunter too because he had so many he had he has had so many moments like that in his career where you know he's had the shot and he's missed it and that one he again he he was off on it like he was off balance the whole time but it, it banked in miraculously for a three to to win the game and i i that's one that i will always uh, take with me and i will always repost that uh, as many times as i can every year on the day that it happened because it, it was such a great moment in pistons history and you see bison daylay you know like loses control of his limbs and just like dances out out of the arena <sighs> Yeah. Um, gosh, Lindsay was, you know, and I know we're, we're sort of wrapping it up, but like, I, and I kind of almost want to go back to the, just that legacy talk real quick because um, Lindsay was never the greatest player, but, but Detroit loves him. Like he's, yep. that's just, it's so, it's such a Detroit thing that we do. I don't know if it happens anywhere else. Cause I haven't really been to other uh, NBA ecosystems, but we love the guy that, you know, that, uh, that works hard. I like, we yep. loved Antonio McDice, like, even though he was, he wasn't really McDice anymore, like the McDice that was in Denver or Phoenix, but like, that's the player that we love. We love that defensive 
guy that's going to go out there and get stops and and um and and you know Lindsay despite not having a hall of fame career or anything is like is one of the most beloved pistons of all time yeah yeah like like you said you know he's the uh part part a, a big part of pistons legacy is we love like the the flawed but hard-working you know role player that that pulls himself up and overcomes the things that he can't do to achieve against you know players with more skill and that was certainly uh Lindsay hunter i I don't know if we'll ever really see, and again, we have guards like that today, but I don't know if we'll ever really see a guy that can pressure a ball handler the way that Lindsey Hunter could uh, ever again, because those guys are just, it, it, it takes a really unique set of uh, a combination of skill and athleticism and, and just a flat out, you know, a motor, a, just a desire to do it because, you know, nine times out of 10, you're not going to get that steal. You're just going to get exhausted. And, you know, Lindsey Hunter was one of the very few that really worked at it and that kept his concentration. And, you know, the second he saw that opportunity for that steal, you know, he, you know, he'd strike. It was, yeah, I, I think that that summarizes, you know, our, our Lindsey Hunter discussion pretty well. All right. And that is, uh, that's today's episode. That's Lindsey Hunter. Um, Looking forward to next week's episode. We're kind of we're getting back on the on the redraft board. Next week we're going to do the 1985 NBA draft. Looking forward to that. What uh, Keith, if you could give him some spoilers a little bit, what who are we looking at in that one? I mean, we got there's a, there's a lot of drama. Maybe the frozen envelope type stuff. What do you think? Uh, I think this is might be one of the the few drafts where the number one pick stays the number one pick. Uh, I, I, I think we will have a lot of, you know, players that weren't selected in the lottery suddenly get moved up. There was, I mean, there's a lot of depth and talent uh, to that draft. There will definitely be a uh, future Pistons Hall of Famer selected very early. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we may uh, bring up some frozen envelopes and uh, discuss, I, I may rant about the Indiana Pacers, uh, lack of better judgment <laughs> some more. All right, looking forward to that episode. And then as for our next Piston, I'm not going to tell you quite yet, but I will tell you this. I will give you a little bit of a clue. Maybe you live near a church and you walk outside in the morning and the bells ring at that church. Do with that what you want. Would it make just just what player does that make you think of when the bells are ringing? That's going to be our next Piston. That's going to be our next episode. Until then, Keith, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter account is uh, Keith Black Trudeau at charlatan28. That's C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E-A-N-2-8. Uh, I post uh, historical basketball videos, generally Pistons-related during the season, uh, something that happened on this day so over many years ago. Uh, but generally during the offseason, it's uh, uh, dealer's choice. I, I have a great love of NBA history, even though I'm a Pistons fan. So, you know, like uh, yesterday I, I posted a, a playoff duel that uh, Steve Smith and Glenn Rice had today. I, I posted a video on John Starks and uh, Reggie Miller, a playoff game that they had. And that, that's pretty much uh, what I do on Twitter. And, you know, if you have any questions, comments, you know, something you want my opinion on, you know, I'm usually active and available to answer uh, at least a little bit, uh, seven days a week. 
you guys got to get on there. You got to, you got to follow him. Even that, I love that Steve Smith, Glenn Rice thing. That was such an, uh, un, you know, we don't talk about stuff like that and how good Glenn Rice was and how good Steve Smith were. They were such great players. You can find me at POD underscore Peyton, uh, the Lions uh, training camps coming up. So I got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I put up two articles this week on Pride of Detroit. Check them out and uh, we'll see you next time.